Welcome to The Big Rich Show. This podcast will focus on conversations with friends and acquaintances within the four-wheel drive industry. Many of the people that I will be interviewing, you may know the name, you may know some of the history, but let's get in depth with these people and find out what truly makes them a four-wheel drive enthusiast. So now's the time to sit back, grab a cold one, and enjoy our conversation. Whether you're crawling the Red Rocks of Moab or hauling your toys to the trail, Maxxis has the tires you can trust for performance and durability. Four wheels or two, Maxxis tires are the choice of champions because they know that whether for work or play, for fun or competition, Maxxis tires deliver. Choose Maxxis. Dread victoriously. Why should you read Four Low Magazine? Because Four Low Magazine is about your lifestyle, the four-wheel drive adventure lifestyle that we all enjoy. Rock crawling, trail riding, event coverage, vehicle builds, and do-it-yourself tech all in a beautifully presented package. You won't find Four Low on the newsstand rack, so subscribe today and have it delivered to you. On today's episode of Conversations with Big Rich, we have Clay Egan. For those of you that are new to off-road motorsports and rock crawling, you may not know who Clay is, but if you've watched any of the old videos from the early days of U-Rock and ARCA and some We Rock, you will see Clay. He was in a, used to compete in an XJ that had some diamond plate on it and was yellow, and Clay is a, is a very motivational person. He's done motivational speaking, and he competed as a quadriplegic. And Clay has got about the best attitude of any person I've ever met. And Clay, I want to say thank you for coming on board and joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. You know, it's it's been a been quite a while since uh, you know I've had a, a lot of interaction with anybody in the off road community, and you know it's it's nice to know that uh, I haven't been forgotten. So I appreciate it. Absolutely, you'll never be forgotten. <laughs> at least with us old school guys. Uh, right on. <laughs> So let's uh, let's jump right into it and let's talk about where you grew up and where you were born and what your early years were like. Well, early years, first memories were Galveston, Texas, down there in the, the kind of the south, and and uh, you know just grew up loving the outdoors and and you know spending a lot of time in the sticks. And uh, my dad's job kind of moved us around a lot, and so I you know, spent, uh, some time in Utah and then, uh, quite a few years in Sacramento and then back to Utah. And, and, uh, you know, I, I call Utah home, but, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of where, where I grew to, uh, love the outdoors, love motorsports. And, you know, and that's really where I, I got into stuff. Right. There's a lot of open, open area in Utah so that there was a lot of opportunity to get, to get off-road and outdoors. You know, I mean, it, honestly, it's it, to me, it's it's the most amazing uh, state on the planet. I mean, you have everything from rock crawling to desert to hunting, fishing, lakes, boating, sand dunes. I mean, whatever your whatever your passion is, we've got it right here, so close. I mean, it's just been it, it's been so much fun being able to to you know call this home. So, how long were you in the Galveston area? Up to about I was what there, age? I was there till I was five. Okay, five. So you probably don't have a whole lot of memory of that. Well, you know, being that I moved around a lot, 
my in my brain everything is segmented by places i lived and so i actually do have quite a bit of memories down there oh excellent and um and so you know and 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 you know throughout the other you know sacramento and and you know being in utah lots of lots of just great memories and what time period in your life were you in sacramento so i was there from 78 to 85 Okay. So from about the time I was seven until I was 14. Okay. I lived in uh, Placerville, California during the, uh, during the 80s and 90s. Very, very familiar with Placerville. Did some of my funnest uh, Boy Scout campouts up there and, um, you know, just love that area. Yeah, it's a great area. So let's, uh, let's get into some of those, those early year activities. Um, did you ride motorcycles? Did you hike? I mean, what was the, uh, what was, what was the gig? Yeah. You know, I mean, always kind of, kind of into the action sports. I mean, started off, you know, in, in BMX and then moved to dirt bikes. And then, you know, by the time I turned about 16, got into high school, then I was racing motocross and, and, uh, you know, spending a lot of time, you know, riding out in the desert and, and, um, you know, and then my family was very, you know, very involved in the outdoors with hunting and fishing. And so, you know, during, during hunting season, you know, I was, I was in the mountains, you know, chasing deer or elk or, you know, whatever it was. But, um, as far as, as far as the, the, the motorsports went, I mean, it was always definitely dirt bikes. Okay. So in school, were you, did you play sports or were you more of a after school kind of guy and getting out of, you know, doing your own thing or scholastic no, or? Yeah, you know, no, it definitely, <laughs> definitely wasn't scholastic, man. I was one of those dudes out in the parking lot with the bong, you know, getting into trouble <laughs> with my, with my dirt bike, you know, on the back of the trailer being towed by a 1981 Buick Regal. There you so, go. You know, that was uh, kind of my after school uh, activities. You know, I mean, I did. I can't tell you how many times I towed my bike to school and then, you know, snuck out early and went went riding. But, um, you know, as a uh, junior and senior year, I kind of straightened up a little bit and and, um, you know, got uh, got on the wrestling team and, you know, and, and wrestled. And, um, you know, so I, I did it all. I was very active, very active kid. Well, cool. So. What was your motorcycle of choice growing up? You know what? It was my YZ125. I had a 1985 YZ125. That was that was what I, you know, started racing. I mean, the very first dirt bike I, I got was a an old 78 RM100. And, uh, you know, that's where I where I learned to ride and, and uh, grew to love the power band of the old two-stroke motors and, uh, you know, and then got into got into, you know, uh, moved up to the 125 and then, um, sold that just out of high school. And, and, um, the year, the year that I had my accident, I was actually had switched to racing quads and was racing our local series, our local motocross series on a, on a uh, Yamaha Banshee. Oh, wow. So let's, uh, let's talk about, about that accident, if you don't mind and, and what, what the circumstances were. Sure. So it was, uh, I mean, it's coming up on 27 years, uh, on June 1st. So it was June 1st, 1994. And, um, I was, uh, you know, I was working construction during the days 
Uh, I was working at a, a, a friend's uh, motorcycle shop at nights, and then I was racing on the weekends. And um, it was the it was the the week after Memorial Day weekend, and um, my one of my cousins called me, and he's like, "Look, hey, your brothers borrowed one of my dirt bikes." Um, over the weekend and they, they didn't get, you know, bring it back to me and I kind of need it for, you know, something I've got coming up. And he said, do you think you can help me out and, you know, and go up and get your, you know, your bike and, or, you know, his bike and, and bring it back to him. And so what my brothers had done is they had borrowed his bike to take my nieces and nephews for rides up at our cabin over that Memorial day weekend. And then they left it up there and then they were both out of town for business. And, you know, long story short, I'm the one that got stuck into going up and getting it. And so I, I grabbed my girlfriend and hopped in my truck and, and we headed up in, into the mountains here in Eastern Utah in a little town called Samak, which is right at the base of the, the Uinta mountains. And, um, got up there, got my cousin's bike and uh, my girlfriend hopped in, the seat of my truck and I hopped on the bike and I proceeded to take it, you know, drive it down the mountain road. And as I was going down that, that main mountain road late that night, um, I ran into a stray horse. Oh. And so, yeah. So, I mean, it was pitch black. It was like 11, 1130 at night and I'm cruising along and, and there was a couple of horses that had gotten out of one of the rancher's stables up there and were loose on the road and I ran into one. Wow. Okay. I, I knew it was something to do with a motorcycle. I did not realize it was uh, hitting livestock and especially big livestock. Wow. Yeah. 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 It was like running into a brick wall, man. I mean, the horse won. Yeah. You know, and from what I was told, the horse kept running. And uh, my girlfriend, luckily at the time, was um, was in the nursing field and, and she literally saved my life that night. But, you know, she told us later that you know, the horses just kept running down the road and, and, uh, you know, she came up on me and, you know, I was face down on the road. I was bleeding from my head and my face and, and I was unconscious and she literally, you know, saved my life that night. So the injury that you have, um, where is that located in your, in your spinal column? So, yeah, so I'm what's, what's called a C6 quadriplegic. So the first seven vertebrae, so from your skull down to the seventh vertebrae, um, is called your cervical vertebrae. Okay. And any kind of break or damage in there is in the quadriplegia range. And then after your, your C7, which is your seventh cervical vertebrae, then you start your thoracic vertebrae, and that goes T1 on down to T12. And, you know, anything below T1 on down is, you know, considered paraplegia. Okay. And so, you know, I'm, I'm paralyzed in all four limbs. I'm, you know, I'm paralyzed from literally the armpits down. Um, even the backs of my arms are numb. I don't have full sensation and I don't have full function of my, my fingers and my hands. Okay. Um, I am actually what's called a, a high class quad. Uh, meaning that I, I function more like a paraplegic because I do have some finger and hand use. Um, they're not great, but you know what? They're good enough to get the job done. They're good enough that I've been able to be, you know, fully independent. Um, and, you know, it is what it is. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm very blessed that they're as bad as they are, <laughs> if that makes sense. Right. So if you don't mind, you know, let's let's – 
talk about some of the 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 anguish that you must have gone through and you know every time i've met you and we've been we've been around each other which has been on quite a few occasions at competitions especially you've always you've always displayed such a great attitude and was that was that difficult to come to or you know what was the was it a struggle well you know it, it's kind of funny and and i mean so from the night that I had my accident, they, they life flighted me from up there on the mountain up to the University of Utah Medical Center. And, um, you know, for the first six weeks that I was there, I was fed through a tube through my nose. And, you know, in the early days, you know, I didn't know if I was going to live or die. And, you know, I was that bad off. And um, uh, so, you know, literally for the first six weeks, I never cared if I ever walked again. I'll, I just wanted to feel better. I mean, I, I physically just felt so bad and was so sick with just the trauma to my body. I mean, I'd cracked my skull and broke my cheek and, and, um, you know, I was just, I was just messed up. Right. And, um, and so, you know, the early days, um, I don't ever remember laying there feeling sorry for myself, feeling sad feeling down. It was just the physical, uh, pain and trauma was so bad. I just, I wanted to feel better whether I was going to die. And, you know, I obviously would felt better if that happened or just, you know, if I, if my, you know, if God's plan was for me to live, you know, I just wanted to be able to feel better. And so after my body, you know, finally started healing and I got that feeder tube out of my nose and, you know, I was able to eat and, you know, and drink on my own and stuff. Uh, my strength slowly came and I, dude, I was so excited to just honestly be alive and to, um, just start feeling better that I, I don't remember ever feeling sad or feeling down about it. I mean, I had great support from friends and family. Um, you know, you've met one of my very best friends, Tyler Quinn. Yep. And I mean, Tyler was there from the second I got hurt. And I mean, literally for the first month, he was there every single day. And, you know, it, it was a 40 minute drive one way for him to come see me. So, I mean, you know, I had amazing, amazing support. And so, you know, it just, uh, it, it honestly, it, it was not that big a deal mentally and emotionally for me. It was definitely more of a physical um, challenge in those beginning years. And so, you know, back to your question, I mean, people ask me all the time, how did you stay positive? Well, then I kind of have to go back a number of years later and kind of explain the backstory before my before my accident of what I grew up with um, at home. And and that is my father. I mean, he's a war, he was a Korean War vet. Um, very hardcore, very disciplinary, and but he suffered from the most debilitating, horrible depression and mental illness that you could ever, you know, ever imagine. So, you know, you think of people, you know, you see in the movies in a straitjacket behind a glass, you know, window, you know, that was my dad. And that's, you know, that's how I grew up. And so home was, for me, its own prison. You know, I mean, I was taking care of my dad from like, you know, 14, 15 years old on. 
and he was in and out of mental institutions. He was, you know, a horrible cutter. Um, his mental pain was so bad that he used to cut himself and, and hurt himself and he was suicidal and he was constantly being taken from home. And so, you know, when you're, when you're 15, 16, you know, your dad's supposed to be your hero. He's supposed to be there for you. He's supposed to be your best friend. And dude, it was, it was Mr. Hyde, you know, in the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde version. Right. And, um, and so, you know, it was, it was bad. And so, um, you know, I started doing drugs really early on and that's how I, you know, I coped with life. That's how I dealt with stuff back then. You know, I was raised not to complain, you know, just, you know, not to, not to show weakness, if you will. Right. And, um, and so, you know, I did, but I did it, you know, through, you know, hiding that pain and my own inner turmoil with doing drugs. And, and then to the point where when I was 21, I hit the bottom and, and, um, tried to take my own life and, and, uh, my life, you know, was, was a complete disaster. And so I, I got checked into rehab and, uh, you know, got cleaned up, you know, sober wise and, uh, decided from that day forward that, um, you know, I have a choice. I can go through life and blame my dad for all my problems and misery, or I can choose to, you know, be happy and move forward and, and be a productive, positive, you know, member of society. Right. And so anyways, long story short, I, almost a year later, after I turned my life around, I had my accident. Oh. And so when people say, you know, how did you get through your accident? And I share a little bit about that past. My accident was a piece of cake compared to the way I was grown, you know, the way I, I grew up. Understood. So that's, that's kind of that that deep story to how I got through it. Right. With all that and you're 21, 22, 22, 23, when the accident yep. happened. Yep. And then where did the, the next phase step in? And I'm not sure what that phase is. So that was your accident was in 90, 1994, 94. And then yep. I met you right around 2001 or two, I think. Maybe yeah, it would, would have been two thousand. Yeah, two thousand three is when yeah, I when I started competing. Okay, yep. so what was that that time frame? You know, a year or two after your your accident, um, to to when you got into the off road scene. Yeah, so you know, my dream as a kid, like career wise, I was never good in school, and I come from a very very educated family. I mean, all my siblings are all college graduates have, you know, have had solid, you know, very successful careers. And, and then there was me that just struggled all through school. You know, obviously a lot of that because of my home life, they were a lot older than me. So they didn't live with us when my dad was going through all that crap. And so I, you know, construction was my thing. I was always really good with my hands and building I loved woodwork. I loved, you know, building homes. And so, you know, I always wanted to be a builder. And so, um, when I got out of the hospital, I started working on, uh, getting my general contracting license, which I did a year later Wow! and started my construction company, Clay Egan construction. And, um, I built, you know, custom homes and, you know, did all kinds of aspects of, of remodeling and additions and, you know, all kinds of, you know, 
you know, residential and commercial remodeling. And so I did that for a number of years. And then I kind of, <laughs> kind of got to the point where I was like, this is really not the greatest job for a guy in a wheelchair. <laughs> you know, I struggled to get around on the job side. I struggled to be able to physically manage the jobs like I wanted to, cause I just could not get around very well. And, um, and so I went to work for, um, a company by the name of tough shed. I'm sure, Oh yeah. you know, you've, you've heard of tough shed. They were all over there. I mean, they still are all over California and nation nationwide. And I went to work for them, um, in sales. And that's actually where I fell into competition, where I found competition rock crawling was by working at Tough Shed. Okay. Now, I do remember the Tough Shed. In fact, you were, you had them on your vehicle for a while, if, if I remember right. Right. So when I first started, um, they became my title sponsor and, you know, sponsored me to, to go around to the different events. I did that, uh, you know, that famous Tough Shed commercial, driving my, my rock crawler over the sheds and crashing off the other side onto the tin shed that, uh, you know, I shot that, I filmed that in October of two or yeah, 2004. And I still get texts or calls every once in a while that, you know, from somebody, you know, somewhere that saw it, you know, <laughs> recently. So they're still, they're still running it all these years later. But, um, but the, you know, the whole way I fell into the rock crawling scene was, was kind of just a, an interesting story in itself. Well, we'd love to hear it. Well, so this was back, you know, in the early, you know, like you said, in, in you know, your introduction, the early U-Rock ARCA days. And um, Mark and Mike Patey, uh, that used to be, you know, uh, partners with, you know, Craig Stump in the early days of We Rock after, you know, Craig decided to, to you know, sell that and, and kind of move on. But right. uh, Mike, Mike and Mark came into my store one day wanting me to build them some tickets, you know, some, some sheds that they could use as ticket booths for their U-Rock competitions. And, um, they, you know, they saw some photos of me, uh, with some animals that I, you know, had hunted and, and, you know, were kind of impressed by my attitude and, and just, you know, some of the things I'd done. And, and, um, you know, I shared with them a little bit about, you know, growing up racing motocross and stuff. And, and then they just basically are like, look, we're, you know, promoting this series, we've got this, you know, custom, you know, rock crawler that, you know, is the Cherokee that you talked about that we really can't use anymore. Cause we're, you know, we're not competing, we're promoting. And they're like, there's nobody in the world like you doing this. They said, why don't you come and, and, you know, check it out and, you know, and you could drive our rig and, and see, you know, see what you think. And, you know, I'd never met these guys, never heard of them. Didn't really, I'd never heard of competition rock crawling. I mean, growing up with, you know, Moab kind of in my backyard, I mean, I knew, you know, what off-road, you know, what we, you know, hardcore wheeling was, but I didn't, I didn't actually know there was a sport. And so, you know, I checked it out and I went and did some interviews with them. And my very first interview was with Walker Evans. Oh, nice. And, and, you know, growing up in, you know, following off-road and motocross, I mean, Walker was like my hero when I was a kid growing up. Um, he's got a cabin up in the mountains here in Utah, not too far from where I crashed and had my accident. And, um, and so, you know, I'd been following him forever 
and to be able to do that interview with him, you know, that night was like, I mean, I was like a kid in a candy store, man. I mean, I, I think I was grinning from ear to ear and probably said something dumb just out of kind of <laughs> starstruckness. And, but it was, it was definitely a life changing experience for me. Well, I can tell you what, we've all had that experience with the number of those guys, uh, <laughs> whether it was with Walker or, you know, some of the other early, you know, pioneers in off-road racing. Trust sure. me, you know, Rod Hall is, I've got one of those, those stories. So, yeah. So well, then, I believe it. I mean, you've been around, you know, doing it longer than I have, and I'm sure you've, you've talked with, with, you know, all the greatest and, and, you know, probably had the same feeling that I had. Oh, I'm still that way, um, especially in the in the off-road racing side of it. Some of the guys that I meet, I'm just, like, blown away. Sure. So then uh, they say, here's the buggy, set it up what you need to, because I know you, you had special controls, correct? Sure, yeah. So um, what we did is we I, I got a set of hand controls, and, uh, and, you know, met up with, with Mark and Mike and they were, I mean, the, the hand controls that I use are very universal. I mean, the same hand controls that I used in my competition rock crawler, I used in my ultra four car, I use in my daily driver. Okay. And so, and they just bolt in and out, you know, pedal, you know, the, uh, the device, you know, bolts underneath the, the steering column and then a rod goes down to the gas pedal and the brake pedal. And you run, you know, the gas and the brake just, you know, with one hand. Okay. And so I got it. I got a hold of a set of hand controls and got it to them, and they got it set up. And then Mark um, took me down to St. George, um, in that old area, you know, that was used, you know, for competition back in the early days of rock crawling. That actually is not there anymore. It's right. I guess it's all, all been houses. built in with houses. But they took me down there and you know, strapped me in it and, and just kind of, you know, spotted me around the rocks and they were, they were really, you know, actually impressed that, you know, that I could do it with the hand controls that I had and that I just had good, you know, hand eye, you know, coordination and contact with, with what was going on. And, and, you know, they took me up some gnarly, you know, vert walls and, I was able to, you know, go right up them and they both just, I can remember it like yesterday, they were both just sitting there with these big grins, shaking their head and just like, dude, you're going to be fine. You know? And so I, I was stoked. And, and a month later I went down to St. George with them and entered my first competition. Awesome. And who spotted you in that first competition? So the, the first one was, that uh, was a guy um, honestly, I was a guy by the name of Gabe. I don't even remember. I mean, he, he wasn't from the, the sport. It was just somebody that, that I probably suckered into just coming and helping me out. <laughs> Neither one of us knew what we were doing. I mean, just to give you an idea how naive and how, how much I did not know about the sport. Um, the very first gate on my very first obstacle I drove over the front gate going in between the cones and I and they're like, you know, 10 points. And I was like, huh? And so I just, you know, I just, I learned a lot that weekend. I got my butt handed to me, but, um, there was a lot of media out there and I did a ton of interviews and, um, I mean, I had a blast. I mean, I did, I felt like a rock star out there that very first event. And, um, and it just really was all, it all went up from there. 
Oh, that's really cool. And then so when I met you, you had uh, you you had a spotter that had spotted you for quite a while, right? And that was so that was that was Chris Delahunty. Chris has been my best friend since the eighth grade. Uh, you know, I talked about Tyler Quinn, you know, a minute ago. Those two guys have been my best friends since the eighth grade. They've been with me like through the 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 best times of my life and through the hardest most difficult times and you know at times literally had to you know carry me through you know the rough stuff but um two of the most loyal guys that i ever could have been blessed with to share this life with you know and um and so chris spotted for me um after that first competition he was my spotter for the first three full seasons okay um we went to three Supercrawls with the UROC series, the World Supercrawl World Championships. Um, we finished uh, seventh in the nation, you know, as good as seventh in the nation, podium a few times throughout that time. Um, I mean, I, you know, I never won a comp, you know, like I said, I made it to the podium a few times throughout my, my, you know, six years of competing, but um, always felt like I was, you know, somewhat competitive and, and had some just really good runs where I, you know, I actually did really well against, you know, a lot of the the top drivers out there back then. Right. I agree 100%. So then those six years of competing, when, when that, when that time frame ended for you, what was next? Well, so over that six years, so I did, you know, uh, competitions with, with you, with We Rock. Uh, with U-Rock and then some old pro-rock events. My very last rock crawling event was the was the pro-rock national finals in 2008 in Cougar Buttes. Uh, and the first day I was in second place at the finals, Dave Cole was in third place. And I was, dude, I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was feeling pretty, uh, pretty stoked that I was in front of Dave. Excellent. And I honestly, I don't even remember who, who was in, in first. It was somebody that if I could remember his name, you'd be, you know, you'd be like, oh yeah, he, he was always in first. But, um, anyways, on the, on the second day of the competition, Dave ended up, you know, beating me out by one cone and, uh, he took second, I took third and, um, it was just, it was a great trip that, you know, to kind of end, you know, the rock crawling phase of things. But at that time, I had built a new buggy and was competing in the XRA, you know, rock racing series. And so I did that 2007, 2008. And then we built the third rig, which was my Ultra 4 car, and uh, raced the 2009 uh, King of the Hammers. And that was back when there was just one class, you know. Um, it was just all of us out there, you know, going for broke and I had a brand new car totally wasn't dialed in. I mean, we were still putting the motor in it on the lake bed <laughs> and I'm sure, you know, everybody that, that's, you know, that's competed has been in the same shoes, you know? And, um, and so I, my last race was 09 King of the Hammers and, um, it was definitely one of the, the greatest um, highlights of my whole, you know, rock crawling, rock sport, um, you know, career events. 
And um, so that just to kind of give you the, just a quick backstory of that race that year, there was uh, 92 teams and it was an 86 mile loop. And I drew that year. They, they just did a random drawing. We drew cards. If you remember it, at Pomona, right. Um, you know, in October before that February and, um, and Tyler, Tyler was my co-driver that year. And we were, we were fourth off the line. And so, um, at mile mark 60, um, I was in seventh place and, um, and I was, or no, excuse me, I was in eighth place and I was gaining on seventh and I just, you know, I made a tired mental error and rolled the truck and, um, you know, lost all, all that ground, took Tyler a couple hours to get me put back together. I mean, obviously I'm in a, you know, I'm strapped in, so I can't get out and help him. Um, you know, he got somebody to come over and help him get me out of the buggy and they drug me over and set me on the rocks while Tyler worked on it, got us back together. And we finally, um, finished the race that night at like nine hours and 56 minutes. And it was, dude, it was the longest, most brutal thing physically that I'd ever done in my life. I mean, when I crossed the finish line, they had to literally pull me out of my truck and push me in my wheelchair because I could not lift my arms past my shoulder length. I mean, I was, I was done, but, um, I had kind of a spiritual experience out there on the lake bed that afternoon when I was upside down. And so what happened is for the longest time I had been feeling like I'd I'd been having just this, this gut feeling about that. I need to kind of, um, back off of the rock crawling and the racing and stuff and focus more on my story. Um, I'm a very religious, very spiritual guy. Um, you know, I've, I've believed always that, you know, God has had a, a, a hand in my life and everything that I've been through from the beginning. And I've always believed that he blessed me with this wheelchair and the rock crawling story that I have to be able to share that story, to help and inspire others. And so for a long time, I just been feeling like, you know, God's given me this great gift and this great story. I need to be sharing it. And I had already started, you know, traveling and motivational speaking quite a bit, but it was not my focus. And so as I was laying there upside down in my truck that, that, you know, early afternoon, I just, I said a prayer and I was just like, God, look, I'm like, I don't ask for much, you know, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I said, I feel like you've wanted me to be speaking and sharing my story. I said, look, if you just help us get this truck back together and finish this race, I'll honor that and I'll go home and I'll quit racing and I'll focus on, on speaking and traveling and, you know, and sharing my story. And so I did. And dude, it was the hardest thing I ever had to do. I mean, I did not, I was not prepared to, to keep my end of the deal. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just want, at that point, I wanted to finish that race so bad. Um, and I still think, honestly, I'm the only quadriplegic in the world that's ever, you know, raised that in a 4,400 and finished the race. And I, you know, it was, it was the greatest, you know, thing, like I said, of my career. 
And, but you know, I did, I came home, I sold that ultra four car, sold all my, my stuff. And I spent the next, um, six years traveling and sharing my story to honor that deal I made with God. That's, that's awesome. So the, the people that you were speaking to, were they like companies? Were they, were they other, um, paraplegics? Were they, you know, what was, where did you share? What was my audience? Yes. So, I mean, it was, it was all of that. I, I spoke at corporate events, um, you know, for businesses. I, I did a lot of youth speaking at, at schools and at like boys homes, you know, for troubled youth. I mean, I, I connected with them probably more than any of them just because of my own troubled past. Um, that was where my kind of my passion for speaking was, was trying to help those young kids that were, you know, were struggling. Right. Um, I did a lot of, uh, you know, religious groups. Um, so really anything, anybody that hires a speaker, um, I, I did, I mean, I spoke at, at, uh, um, rock crawling events. I spoke at, uh, one of the Lucas oil, uh, off-road race, um, one of their, their church events one night. Um, I mean, any, anything that, you know, anybody's ever hired a speaker at, I spoke to. That's, that is pretty cool. And all over the country, I assume. Yeah. All over the country and, uh, traveled a lot doing that. And like I said, I did it for about six years. I mean, really, I mean, I started telling my story, you know, to an actual group. I mean, two months after I'd gotten out of the hospital, just because, you know, from clear back then, people were always commenting about just the attitude that I had, the good attitude. Right. And, you know, it, that, that good attitude has been my meal ticket everywhere. It's been the key to my success. And, you know, we all have stuff that we deal with in life. I mean, we all, we all have challenges, whether it be financial challenges, our jobs, marital challenges, you know, uh, loss of a child, divorce, whatever it is, we all have those obstacles to overcome and they suck when we're in it. But what I've learned through all of mine is just, if you can find just even one good thing in that bad experience, you know, you grow, you learn and, and you, you know, you go forward a better person. And so I've always tried to share that in my message. Um, you know, when I've, you know, spoke to different groups throughout the years. That's excellent. I personally, I've not always been a very, you know, a real positive person until I met Shelly. And then after I met Shelly, she helped me become more positive. I try to live, we, we both live our life trying to be as positive as possible and knowing that like what we put out is what we get back. You know, if we Absolutely. go, if we go into every, any situation with a negative attitude, that's what happens. Yep. You know, and we try to, we try to remind everybody that, you know, yeah, things can be rough. Things can be tough. There's all sorts of different things that can get you down, can weigh on you. It can be, you know, your health. It could, you know, so many things, like you said. But if you, if you really work on it, on keeping things positive, you know, positive energies will come back. Absolutely. You know, and, and nobody likes being around a Debbie Downer. 
I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've been around, you know, people throughout your life that just, you know, they're, they're a naysayer. Everything that comes out of their mouth is negative and, you know, always complaining and just, you know, just can't find anything good in the situation, you know? And it's like, I have a hard time being around those kind of people, you know, it's just <laughs> like life is too short and too good to just always be focusing on the bad. And it really, it really is a simple concept that people could just grasp it. I mean, it's a choice, right? You know, it's flat out a choice. Sometimes it's hard, you know, changing the way we are changing our mindset, trying to see the glass, you know, half full, uh, if you will. But uh, I mean, you know, if, if people can just start getting into, you know, just, being aware and catching themselves when, you know, they're being negative or, you know, seeing, you know, seeing the bad in something instead of, you know, what, what good can I get out of this? You know, people would, I think would just be a lot, a lot happier in life, you know? I agree. 100%. So since the, the speaking, so around 2005, 2006, or excuse me, 15 or 16, um, you haven't been speaking, um, doing the, the, what, what have you been doing since? And I know you, bef- before we started to record, we talked that, you know, you've been kind of leading a, a more sheltered life now and stuff, but, you know, is, have you thought about putting your, your story down into a book or anything like that? Well, you know, it's, it's funny as you ask that. I mean, I gave my last speaking engagement on November 4th, 2017. And it was down in St. George, Utah, literally blocks from where that first event um, happened for me. And it's really where my, you know, my rock crawling story started. And so I I wanted to just really kind of, you know, go out with a bang in my speaking. And, And to be honest, you know, I just, I really got burned out on just telling my story. That's kind of where you know, it just ended. I, you know, I'd actually, I wrote a couple of books. So I do have a couple of books out with my story. Um, uh, one, one is my story. The other book is, is, uh, it's called the warrior poet. And it's just, a a book of poetry of, of the poems that I've written, you know, throughout the years. I've, I mean, I've been writing for, you know, for 20 years okay. and, um, anyways, so, you know, I just, um, I decided that, uh, that that was going to be my last talk. And, um, I, I, you know, I, I just at that time had bought, you know, I'd bought some property here in the mountains that had been a lifelong dream, uh, to put a cabin on. And so literally for the last four years, um, I've been building that, that hunting property up and, and building my cabin. And, and, you know, that's, that's where my passion is. I mean, growing up, you know, in a family that hunted and fished, um, that's, that's what's deep in my blood. Um, I love the off-road while it was there, but to be honest with you, this old body is shot. I mean, I cannot take bouncing around in a rig for two more seconds. I mean, it's, it's hard enough just to get around in my wheelchair anymore without just, you know, feeling beat up. But, um, I, so I sold all my rock crawlers. I sold my Jeeps. And uh, I have a little, you know, Razor 800 that I use, you know, as my legs when I'm in the mountains and, and I just hunt out of that. And, and that's, you know, that's my happy place. It's, it's literally, 
my my happy place and I just I chill up there every second that I get. And are you still good friends with with the two individuals you talked about, Tyler and with, Chris? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I talk to them both literally daily. Awesome. Um, Tyler, or uh, excuse me, uh, Chris moved to uh, a little town called Lewisburg, Tennessee, a couple of years ago. But um, he and I still talk all the time. And Tyler, you know, he he doesn't live too far from me here, you know, in in South Jordan, Utah, where I live. And so, you know, I I see him all the time, and we we do we talk almost every day. That's that's awesome. That that has to help as well. Well, you know, it does. And I mean, I mean, I have always been blessed with the best of friends. I mean, you know, Chris, Chris, you know, spotted for me the first four years. And then my really good friend, Nick Jenkins, another guy that I consider, you know, one of my very best friends, he took over where Chris, you know, left off and, um, and spotted for me the rest of the time. And he lives, you know, close by as well. And, and, um, so, you know, those three guys right there, if you find any old school rock crawling pitchers, those three guys are there and they, they made it happen. I mean, yeah, I was the face. I was the guy that got all the, you know, the, the media coverage and the interviews and stuff, but really I wouldn't be the guy that I am without those three guys. They made it happen. Not me. That is, that's awesome. What, what is next? Do you have any any plans for the future? Boy, that is a good question, man. You know, I, I, I turned 50 this year, so I'm, I'm feeling like an old freaking man. <laughs> and yet, yet, I mean, my body feels like it's 90, but my brain still feels like I'm 17. And I'm sure you can, you can relate, I you know, anybody <laughs> that's, that's been around, you know, anything that, you know, anybody that's passionate about something, I don't care if it's scuba diving or, you know, or, you know, painting, if you're passionate about it, those passions keep us young and, um, you know, motorsports and, and hunting has always been my thing. And, um, they keep me young, you know, mentally. And so, um, I've just going to keep building my cabin. I got quite a bit of work still left to do. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm still working full time. And so, um, you know, I, I stay very busy. Um, I am more than a, uh, more active, you know, uh, in a wheelchair than, than most guys in chairs that I know. And, um, you know, that, that keeps me healthy too. And so just, you know, literally just building my cabin and spending as much time on the mountain as I can. Are you still with Tough Shed? No, no, no. Okay. No. So I left Tough Shed. So, you know, when the economy tanked back in, in 07, 08, um, I, uh, I left Tough Shed at my 10 year mark. Okay. And, um, and I took, I just took a couple of years off and, and focused on my speaking. And then I did that for, you know, for a couple of years full time. And then I went to work for, um, a point S dealership, which is a, a tire and automotive, you know, chain like, right. like Les Schwab or discount or whatever. And, um, and so I went to work for a, a buddy of mine, um, at the car, our corporate names, Edwards automotive. And, um, we, we have a number of different locations and different businesses under that corporate umbrella, but I'm his CFO. And so I manage all the finances 
for his business and have been doing that for the last 10 years. And so, you know, it was a really great partnership for the both of us because, you know, I could still speak, you know, for, I mean, I went to work for him in 2011. And so I spoke, you know, another six years throughout that time. And, you know, it allowed me to be able to do that and, you know, work full time. And, and so now I just, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing that and, and just really just kind of living pretty quiet. I mean, I don't make appearances anymore. I don't speak anymore. I mean, this is literally rich with you. The first interview I've done in years. So, well, I appreciate I, uh, it. I pre- well, and I appreciate you, like I said, remembering me and, and thinking, you know, thinking of me because, you know, it's kind of, uh, I'll be honest. I mean, the whole being out of it is a little bit of a salt in the wound kind of thing, if you will, because I miss it. I miss all my friends, you know, yourself, little rich, you know, all the rest of the old school gang that, you know, that I cut my teeth in, in the sport with, you know, and, and I don't see anybody anymore, but, um, you know, that's, that's about it. There's not a whole lot of them still competing from back, you know, back in that mid two thousands, unfortunately. Sure. You know, there's a Joshum just came back and is spotting for Randall Davis in Cody Wagner's Jesse Haynes fab car. But, you know, most of the old school guys, I still see a lot of them from, you know, I'll see Dean Bullock when I'm down in, in Cedar City and stuff, but, you sure. know, and uh, hang out with, you know, go by and visit Jason Polly when I'm up in South Dakota or something. But, you know, there's not a whole lot of them still competing from back then. So Right. That's because we're all a bunch of old men. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't <laughs> <You> we? <know? laughs> I funny, keep telling funny. everybody that. Yeah, is anybody listening? I don't know if they're <laughs> listening to me or not. I don't know if anybody <laughs> ever listened to me. <laughs> well, I always enjoyed your company. I always enjoyed, you know, our chats and, and loved your competitions. I mean, my my last We Rock event was probably August of 08 there in, in Cedar City. And it, it was one of the, the most memorable, funnest events um, that I ever, you know, that I ever competed in. I mean, you, you guys put together just some killer courses that year. And that, that was just a really, really fun course and always fun to be, you know, close to home. So the friends and family could make the trek to, you know, come watch. Right. And, um, you know, and, but that three peaks, you know, area has just got some awesome rocks. I always love being there. Yep. We were just there two weeks ago for our Western series opener. So, awesome. Yeah. And next up on our schedule is is Delta Utah. We took over what um Craig Stump called old school and yeah. we're now calling it the Delta Classic. So Oh, awesome. Now when is that? That'll be Memorial Weekend, the Friday and Saturday. Oh, it is. So just next week then. Yes, next week. Yep. Wow. So yeah, so you took over the dates and everything. Yes. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. Yep. Well, that's a that's a super fun course too. Yes, it is. And it's just a great event because it's for us it's not near as much pressure as a season event. Sure. And we get so many new guys coming out to that that are just, you know, the whole idea is to get them hooked and and you know, get them to enjoy the the sport beyond just trail wheeling. Right. Oh, that's awesome, man. Now, what uh this is a little bit off the subject, but what's what's Little Rich doing these days? How's he doing? Oh, he's doing great. He's living down in the Sand Hollow Hurricane area. Okay. 
and he's got a family and two kids and there uh he actually runs an event called Trail Hero that happens every October. Okay, I have heard of it. Yeah, he he runs that event. Awesome. Yeah. So it's uh you know, we're still all in it. You know, I don't know how many more years I'm going to be doing it. I've 21 years now. Um Dang. You know, I'm 60. Good for you, man. That that is that is so awesome. And it's not many guys can say that, dude. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and at, <laughs> at 63, I don't plan on doing it for another 21. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what it took for you guys to put on those events, man, and just how much work and you know, not always the best conditions weather-wise, and you know, you still you still made it happen and you know, I was always, I was always very appreciative and always grateful for what y'all did. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. There's the one thing, like I always tell everybody, you know, there's no rain delays. We either run <laughs> or we cancel. Yeah. You know, and we don't like to cancel unless it's dangerous. Right. So. Well, I think we've all raced and competed in the, in the, the best conditions, but the worst as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So is there anything that, that we haven't touched base on that you would like to talk about? Or, you know, do you have any questions for me that you've, you know, that you can think of? You know, I mean, not really, Rich. I mean, yeah. we, we kind of covered all of, like, you know, kind of what what I've had going on. And, you know, you covered my story good. And, and um you know what? I mean, what uh, what are your events these days? I remember back in the day you were doing some rock crawling, but some, you know, kind of rock racing. Are you still kind of doing that format, or are you just back to strictly old school competition rock crawling? Just competition rock crawling. At one Good point, we were we were doing Vora Valley Off Road Racing Association. We did that for about four years, and then. Then we got into doing dirt riot races, which was, you know, kind of a grassroots, um, you know, for the 4,400s and all the classes that Ultra 4 is. And right. we stopped that in 2019, 2019. Oh, wow. And actually, you know, we were doing 21 events a year at that point. Dang, dude. And it was That's just That's too getting, much almost. Yeah, it, <laughs> was, it was too hard. It was great when I had people Good traveling. Help. Yeah. Help. Yeah. But, um, you know, I've been doing this now for, what is it? About five years now, just Shelly and I, and, you know, I get help at some of the events with, uh, some of the drivers or old drivers coming in and, you know, competitors coming in and helping, you know, either set up or tear down or guys sticking around an extra day to help tear down and load up. But, you know, pretty much it's still, you know, 90% of it is, uh, is physically me and it's just, it's, it's getting, you know, it, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Especially no, doing 21, I, seven nowadays or eight is a lot easier. Yeah. So is that how many you're doing these days is eight? Yeah. This year we'll do eight. We'll do four West coast and four East coast. No, it'll be three East, three West grand nationals. And then of, um, of course, uh, Delta classic. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So we're happy with that. It stretches the season out and I don't have to do back to back to back to back. There was one year where I had like the last six events were all weekend to weekend to weekend to weekend. And I was going across country as well. 
Yeah. You know, getting done with a rock crawl in New Hampshire on Thursday or on Sunday, and then having to be ready for practice at a dirt right race in Texas, 21, 2200 miles away by Friday. So dang. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's rough, dude. That that's a lot of, lot of travel, a lot of hard work, man. I can't, I can't drive that many hours anymore. <laughs> yeah. You and me both. I, man, three's about my max in any kind of road trip. And I mean, that's why, you know, when I say I'm leading kind of a quiet life, I mean, my, my body did is shot. I mean, I, I beat it and abused it and you know, it's just, uh, I, I'm uncomfortable in pain 99% of the time. Right. And so to sit and drive, you know, for more than like here to St. George or more than, you know, from here to Moab, I just won't do it. It's makes just, sense. uh, it's, it's just no fun anymore. It makes sense. So I, I feel your pain, man. That, that <laughs> long haul traveling stinks. Yep. We, we avoid that now. <laughs> we still make the long trips, but we take a lot longer to do it. So. <laughs> well, good for you. And your wife's doing good. Shelly's oh. hanging in there and yes. all's well there. Yep. Everything's great. She's she's uh, got a whole bunch of little businesses going on and, um, you know, we're still doing the rock crawl. We got an off-road magazine that we produce and, of course, the podcast. And then we have a, a all-natural skin care product line and a, a boutique Sweet. hotel and all sorts of different things that we're doing. Well, good for you, man. It's good to be busy. Yes, it is. Well, you know, Clay, I want to say thank you so much for coming on board and telling your story. And hopefully people will get inspired, um, you know, and and think about, you know, the positivity in their life, you know, how, how positive life can be and, you know, kind of shoo those bad thoughts out of their mind and, and work toward being positive. Absolutely, man. I mean, it, it literally, you know, like I said earlier, is the is the key to success, man. And, you know, success comes in all forms, whether it's financial success or, you know, job success or marriage success or, you know, just friendships. You know, I mean, it's it's all it all plays into to being successful and, you know, being positive and just trying to find the good in things is so important. I agree 100%. So, Clay, I'd like to say thank you for taking the time to talk with us and uh, share your story with our listeners. And, you know, I I hope you all the the fortunes and good luck, you know, that that you can afford in the future. And, you know, the, I I'll pray for you that your uh, your pain is is minimized and, you know, that everything runs smooth from here on out. Well, I, I appreciate that, Rich. And I, you know, I, I, uh, pray for the same for yourself, you know, and, you know, like I said earlier, I I appreciate, you know, you having me on and, and all the years of friendship and, and just that, you know, camaraderie, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. So, you know, thanks again for thinking of me. All right, Clay. And, uh, I will get in touch with you and let you know when we're going to air this, uh, this episode. And, um, again, thank you so much. Cool. Sounds good, man. Really great to talk to you. Okay. Have a nice evening. Take care. All right. You too. We'll see you. Okay. Bye-bye. If you enjoy these podcasts, please give us a rating. Share some feedback with us via Facebook or Instagram and share our link among your friends who might be like-minded.
Well, that brings this episode to an end. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll catch you next week with Conversations with Big Rich. Thank you very much.